0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Beyond the Bulletin. Uh, I am joined today by my Beyond the Bulletin. There it is, Cash Money Baby. Uh, my <laughs> name is Michael Gormley, Coordinator of Evangelization, and we are joined with my co-host Stephen Lenahan,
1: Director of Development and Communications here at St. Anthony of Padua. Yep.
0: And then we are also joined by a very special guest, Coordinator of Liturgy, and is it Coordinator of Liturgy or Liturgical Ministries?
2: It's coordinator of liturgy. Okay. Wow.
0: Okay. Dead pan that one. Yeah. It's, te- it's pretty technical. It's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> that is Brian Jones, our one of our newest hires here at St. Anthony's, uh, but probably
2: one of our quickest fires, too. <laughs> 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 well, this
1: got weird. Yeah. Well,
2: my name was just officially put up on the outside of my door last week. Yeah. Nice.
1: That can be
0: taken away. Yeah. It can
2: be, but now it'll be more difficult. Yeah.
0: Facilities both gives and takes away. <laughs> Blessed be their name. <laughs> so, what we wanted to do today, was do a follow up to our town hall meeting and just kind of share with y'all in an effort of transparency and openness and keeping this conversation going. Um, not necessarily what we've learned, you know, that's going on in the news stories and all that stuff, but just kind of our own personal reflections on the town hall and some comments and stuff. A little bit more uh, addressing some of those things.
1: Yeah, and for those that don't know, this town hall that, uh, that Gomer's referring to is, uh, it, we called it the Restore uh, Coping with Church Scandal town hall. Um, we did it on August 28th. Uh, didn't really know what kind of response we were going to get, and it was really amazing because the, the main um, sections of our church were full, um, and we also had another, I would say, two to three hundred people live streaming it, and then we also had, since then, it's only been about a week and a half, uh, we've had another fifteen hundred people that have watched the, the recording online.
0: Where can people find that recording?
1: Yeah, so the recording of the video, you can find it on St. Anthony's Vimeo channel. But probably the easier way is just to go to ap.church/restore, um, and it is located on the website right there on that page. And that website is a special page that we set up uh, just for our parish to to have a quick reference guide and place that we can post things that are relevant to the church scandal and what's going on.
0: Yeah, and that's not a place for us to post opinion pieces and breaking news. It's stuff like the letters from Cardinal DiNardo, our own pastor's letters, safe environment protocols, and uh, you know what to do, the, the kind of steps of if you are the victim or know someone who's a victim uh, within our own parish even of uh, how do you handle these matters if, if you're a victim of sexual assault, abuse, or harassment.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, the other thing um, about the town hall was really – it was amazing how open people were at the town hall. Um, I was really – I got kind of nervous when I got up there to the mic and said, okay, after Mike uh, gives – you know, after Mike Gormley gives his opening talk, we're going to just let people come to the mic. And I was really afraid that it was just going to be this awkward silence. But, man, that line – filled up quick. And it was about 10 deep there for most of the night of people wanting to say something, make a comment, ask a question. Um, you know, even some people needing clarification, because I think the thing that's the hardest right now about this church scandals, it's, it's like, if you're, if you're reading all this stuff on the internet, um, or you're following all these different bloggers, uh, you know, there's so much information out there and it's yeah. hard to discern what is real and what's not. It's almost like, it's like trying to drink from a fire hose right now. Um, and so, trying to figure out like what are the most truthful websites, which ones have a slant, and if they do have a slant, just kind of reading it through that that lens of truth um has been it's been a little bit exhausting to no, me personally absolutely.
0: Brian, what have you been doing since the town hall in order to keep up with all this news and information and stuff like that
2: yeah i mean i i 've been i mean pretty much anything that comes out i 've been reading um and I think. As I'm reading them, I think one of the things that was great about the town hall meeting was the kind of the diversity of perspectives that came. You had people that expressed great pain and sorrow either via themselves or through somebody else that they knew personally. And there were, you know, there really wasn't questions per se. And But then you also had some people that went up there and said all of the pain and everything needs to be acknowledged. It's, it's awful and it's evil, but we also need to be able to bring into that the perspective that this is Christ church, and how do we hold those two together? So I think just in terms of answering the question, what what I've been doing is reading everything, but also trying to keep both of those perspectives together, whether I'm reading something about, you know, some new aspect of the scandal that comes out, or just people coming out either in defense or being critical of, of Vigano's letter just trying to keep everything um, in a more holistic perspective. Yeah, I think the
0: hardest thing for me right now in this time period is there is so much um, polarization around this. Mm -hmm. It's as if American liberals are all running to the defense of Francis. American conservatives are all running to the defense of Vigano's letter. And bishops are kind of, if they release a statement about it, that's not carefully worded PR stuff, they you can almost just see the sides. Just typically liberal bishops will defend Pope Francis and attack a vegano, mm-hmm. Typically conservative bishops will defend Vigano and attack um maybe not pope francis some of them have but uh attack at least mccarrick and and some of these other things kind of going on in the church yeah and now you have the outpouring of everyone with their opinion in the blogosphere yeah who aligns right or left um you know, debating over whether or not we should even call for the Pope's resignation. Does that constitute schism? Sure. Is that appropriate for lay people to hold their sacred pastors accountable, which yeah. canon law says? Like, all these different things. So my biggest thing is a supreme frustration at the lack of facts and overwhelming um, opinion. And some of it is like, I know Vigano personally, and he would never just make up stuff. And so you're just going back and forth with all this. So if you kind of have been a Francis defender... Against kind of the conservative reaction against him, a a lot of this can be very overwhelming attack, and we want to just retreat to our side. Right. And so for me, the most important thing I can do right now is read the broad spectrum, right. because you find that people will emphasize and deemphasize points, whether it's harming or or promoting their view, and if you can get the other side to kind of explain it, then you're like, oh my goodness, okay, so.
1: Yeah, and that, that came up, I think, a couple times in the town hall. Uh, you know, there was a gentleman who got up and spoke, and, you know, he kind of said, what about the victims? Why is this, you know, how has this all of a sudden become, like, a a, a political infighting thing? Right. Um, and I kind of responded and said, well, it's a both and, because all of this, this is linked to the victims. It's all, it's all entrenched together. Um, but, Gomer, I loved what you said at the town hall when you, you know, you're kind of talking about how, the way we've politicized our church is tearing us apart. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really, like, you know, we, and that's something as American Catholics we forget, is that we we like to think of our church in the same way we think of our political structure that we know in our society here in America. But the reality is that's not really the way it was ever intended or the way it should be um, as church. But, again, it's just kind of the mindset that we have as an American church. And so I don't really know, what the cure is for that um i know it exhausts me though and and that's that's the part of it that is really frustrating to me right now kind of like you're saying is how do we cut through that and get to the the root of truth and and how do we figure out what is true and so i've tried to kind of take the same approach as you read both quote-unquote sides um and arguments to all of it uh and usually somewhere you can start to get the hints of the truth of what's really going on and, and the frustrations so i don't know how do you guys like How do you all find joy in the midst of this? Because I know that we've, you know, here in the office, we've talked about that. like, And maybe we're more entrenched in it than some of our parishioners that have secular jobs because we are – surrounded by it you yeah know, it's Monday funny friday
0: all this stuff going on politically in our in our culture about confirming a new supreme court justice and yep. this between uh this exchange between trump and the attorney general jeff sessions and all this stuff i had no clue about because all i'm doing is going to catholic websites and clicking refresh refresh yeah. read 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 and then i realized oh there's a wider world out there yeah. yeah so what about you how do you keep enjoying brian uh
2: well i think probably the the main thing is, I mean, it, it is difficult to not—I think all of us being human, we there is a, 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 a potential for bitterness to kind of creep in and, and take over. And I, I think not even just with the scandal in particular, but I think once you're on the inside of the church, you definitely see— more of its human element, um, or maybe that's more immediate to all of us. You've only
1: worked here three months. (laughs) I know. So jaded. I'm just kidding.
2: (laughs) But, I mean, I think that that, uh, that's a perspective that always has to be kept before you, that um, the church is both, and it's human and divine. But in terms of just keeping your joy, I mean, I think overall it's, I, I think if we... If we ever believe that we will be, you know, away from scandal or away from sin, particularly in our own lives, I think we can look at this or, or something like this can be so overwhelming and crush us. Yeah. As to I mean, there are many people that we've talked to, we've heard from that have they said this is it, I'm done. Yeah. You know, I've lost I, I can't be a part of a church that would do this again and again and nothing seems to be Nothing seems to change, and it's you know they're very convinced that nothing will. So, um, but again, I I I think that the the Christ promise to the church, um, you know, again, maybe I'm looking at it more from like a a negative perspective. In that, it it doesn't mean that this stuff won't happen. Yeah, it doesn't mean that. So, with that being the case, yeah, how do you? We can still live out our faith, whether we're in the midst of a scandal, whether, you know, the church is experiencing a kind of time of great peace, or, where you know, wherever we are, uh, the fullness of the faith can be lived out. And, you know, like Father Mike Schmidt said in that video that you had that for the oh, staff meeting yeah. yesterday, which anyone listening didn't see. Um, com uh, on, the, on their YouTube channel. Father yeah. Mike Schmidt. Um, but it, it, his insight was just, yeah. you know, the call to conversion and uh, away from t- sin, I almost said tin, but, um, you know, if you don't want that in your house, it's the same. Very base metals. Right, yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't want that getting into your bloodstream. But, um, sorry. The, but anyway, just the call to conversion, I mean, yeah. it, it's now very real for us. Yeah. And maybe it's something more abstract when things are, quote, unquote, going well. Yeah. But now when something like this hits, it's like, wow, this yeah. is uh, – uh, who do I trust? Who am I going to follow?
1: So my my brother-in-law, who lives in Birmingham, Alabama, he actually sent me this quote yesterday, and I shared it with some of the staff um, on our Slack channel. But I thought that this was really insightful for us, uh, especially working in the church, of why am I doing this? Because I know sometimes working in the church, you're like, you know, Gomer, you said it so well, like you, especially working in evangelization, you feel like you've been – working all these years, the last 15 years, to build up the church. And meanwhile, like, people behind the scenes have been tearing it down. Yeah, meanwhile, the
0: hierarchy behind the scenes. Yeah, like Specifically. Yeah, <laughs> prelates in the church, right? And, and there's this great picture of uh, a construction site, a demolition site of a McDonald's. And there's Ronald McDonald, a, a statue of him sitting on a park bench. And there's a spot for, like, you to put your kid next to Ronald McDonald to take a picture. And behind him smiling right the statue is a destroyed mcdonald's and i said what it feels like being a lay
1: worker for the church today yeah Yeah, my comparison is it's like it's like you're the band on the titanic yeah that's kind of what it feels like Mm. but we have to trust gentlemen (laughs) it's been a pleasure but uh no i I really love this quote that my brother-in-law sent, and it kind of uh gave me a focus and this is from saint francis de sales who also dealt with scandal because again scandal has always been a part of the life of the church unfortunately And, and saint francis de sales said this those who commit these types of scandals are guilty of the spiritual equivalent of murder. But I'm here among you to prevent something far worse for you. While those who give scandal are guilty of the spiritual equivalent of murder, those who take scandal, who allow scandals to destroy their faith, are guilty of spiritual suicide. Yeah, Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. That, see, that's a good one, but I, the- it, that one hit me, like, square in the face. I was like, oh, man, like, that's, that's my job working in the church is to help people – from falling away and and it's too easy to coil up the working the church and saying, well, they're right. I mean, I can't be mad at them for leaving and I can't be mad at someone if they want to leave the church right now, but I got to do my best to try and, and show them that there's still hope and that there's still Christ in the midst of all this craziness. Yeah. St. Thomas
0: Aquinas talks, he has a whole multiple session uh, questions on scandal. Brian, I don't know if you've ever heard of St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, Um, I have, I'm a Thomist.
2: sarcasm. We all,
0: we all are. (laughs) <laughs> At heart, uh, so he talks about this notion of scandal and what scandal—the Greek word—what um, it means is a stumbling block that causes other people to fall. And so the he contrasts like the types of scandals that people do that <clears throat> you can do it accidentally. Cause other people to stumble. Someone watches you and maybe hears you cuss, and they're like, "Oh, I thought he was a Christian," and judges you based on that or whatever it is. And he said he talks about he makes this distinction in in scandal between that which is like really evil that attacks people's faith versus like a bad witness. And one of the amazing things that we're seeing is um, I have heard clergy not not at our parish but uh, on these blogs and stuff, dis- or not just clergy either, but uh, dismiss people who because of The church abuse and all this stuff, the scandal going on, they're leaving the church, and they say this phrase. It's very dismissive where they say, well, they were never really a part of it anyway, or they were looking for reasons to leave. And when I hear that, um, while obviously I affirm everything. It's frustrating. That is so frustrating because it it almost sounds like they're trying to sweep it under the rug as if, like, yes, these people did bad things, but – and it's like, here's my problem. I need to address that, but right? like we need well, to talk I, I, I about. I feel that. like
1: when people do that, they're they are their scapegoat is that person's faith or lack yeah, sure. of faith, yeah, which sure. is not that's not a, it's not fair to compare that person. Maybe they do have you know a reduced faith, but that that does not equate to what's actually happened, right. um, or,
0: Which is why there's a great proverb right in the Old Testament: it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Meaning the politically powerful, the the, the people with all the weapons, you can't trust them but it's better to run and hide in the Lord. And the sad thing is today we can add the princes of the church into that yeah. into that commentary, yeah. um, speaking especially of ex-Cardinal Theodore McCarrick. Um, this notion of it is better to hide in Christ, to have a relationship with Christ. The reason why your faith will endure this scandal, if it endures, is because you didn't believe in the church you are a part of the church because you believed in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. The church is not an object of our faith. It is the home of those who have Christ as the object of their faith. Mm-hmm. Because of the human side of our institution as Pope Benedict says, it is always in need of reform. Always, there's never a time, there's never been a golden age. Read right. read 1 right. Corinthians and you will hear of a church Established by the apostles themselves who are just falling apart everywhere. And especially because of sexual sin and scandal.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I like the, um, the part about scandal from St. Thomas. I don't like that. Um, what, I, what I'm trying. <laughs> I like scandal um, the, with the St. Michael prayer. Yeah. Um, that it's, you know, protect us from the wickedness and the snares. I mean, a snare has two meanings, right? One of which is a stumbling block so um it's the recognition that you know satan obviously is involved in in looking to have us commit spiritual suicide yeah. like you said from from st francis i mean that's that's what a snare is that 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 is all that the devil can do but it's
1: Which is why we're adding the St. Michael prayer into the end of our masses at St. Anthony's. So Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's important. And you know what, it also kind of reminds me from the town hall. We got into this big discussion after um, a gentleman talked about, you know, he got up and he said, you know, I'm tired of us talking and hearing statements about sin when these guys are committing crimes. You know, he said, the reality is we all commit sin, but my sin isn't necessarily a felony. And the thing with that was while he wasn't, Wrong, the emphasis though, can be kind of skewed in that statement, I think, right because we, what we don 't want to do while we do need to open the church up to be to, to civil law coming in and, and charging these people who have committed crimes, we also don 't want to minimize the reality that sin is far worse than than crime because sin separates us from god
0: yeah it 's funny when i when I heard that. Um, statement, I understood where it was coming from, right? Like these are not just sins that can be absolved in a confessional and that's it. These need to be punished by civil authorities. These are crimes. And I I do think that is a a very important thing, a, a distinction that we need to understand that, yeah, what these people did is, is considered not just like stubbing your toe is a you know and and cussing might be like a tiny little sin and telling a little white lie or Depends murdering people yeah right right right. <laughs> all right murdering people abusing people all this stuff that's all lumped in the category of sin but he was trying to make this distinction about the gravity of what's happening but coming from a church perspective the the problem is, it sounds like what we're doing is spiritual bypassing, right? We're wrapping a spiritual label on things in order. Like what we need is repentance from sin, and it's like no. What you need to do is throw people in jail, regardless of whether in the hierarchy or not. But coming from a theological perspective, right? Sin is far worse than. Right. Right. All crimes may or may not be sins, but sins is what separates you from God. Right. You might break a civil law in the eyes of man and still be good with God. Now, obviously, in this case, it's demonically evil what they did. And it is a crime. Thank God. But um, it is interesting that all of us afterwards, we all appreciated what he was making, that distinction. But at the same time, our theological brains are like, actually, sin is far, far worse than breaking the law, breaking a human law crime or whatever.
1: Well, and even the idea that, like, Western law, a lot of it is based on, you know, Christian doctrine and Christian morality, right? So – So, yeah, I I appreciated what he was saying, but I also was kind of like, oh, man, like, we don't want to, like, throw the baby out with the bathwater and and just say, you know, that only crimes are the only things that we should be worried about right now. Yeah,
0: and that's that pastoral part, right? Like,
1: theologically,
0: I might say, yes, sin is actually worse than crime. This is both a sin and a crime. But pastorally, we have to realize, like, we are all angry, (laughs) and we are done with people in the church using churchy language to bypass Right, the reality of what we're facing. Like you say, repentance. I want jail time. Right. I also want repentance, but I also want jail time. You know, and so that's one of the interesting things of of uh, post town hall thoughts. You know, swimming yeah. through our
1: heads. So I think, um, we, you know, we're gonna have probably more episodes that we'll talk about this because um, we gotta. There's just so much we can unpack here. And the other thing is that it's evolving almost hour by hour it feels like if you're following it on a daily basis um so i guess i you know what i would say is like we're for for right now in this moment um at the you know in the beginning of september 2018 we're coming out of the summer of shame and now we're coming into the time of of reparation and response what do we do next as parishioners what do we do next as lay people um other than grab pitchforks because i that Here's the thing about grabbing the pitchforks. A lot of people want to do that. Um, I don't know that pitchforks are going to ultimately solve the problem. So, what what can we do in this moment, in this time? We can pray. Obviously, um, we can we can frequent the sacraments. We can pick up our rosaries if we've if we've let go of some of our devotionals over the years. But what else can we practically do? Nothing. 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 No, I'm just kidding. I'll let it all <laughs> that out. Everyone was like,
2: "Oh man. Oh man, we're done." <laughs> Now,
0: because this is this is the hard question, Bishop Barron said, "Hold their feet to the fire, fight them on this. As lay people, you have every right to hold your sacred pastors accountable. It's in the code of canon law to do that. But what if they just ignore us? <laughs> like, what do you do in this? So, for me, like that, for coming from that mindset of not just repentance, but and and reform, but criminal justice and all that stuff." Um, like many Catholics out in the blogosphere, I, with much fear and trepidation, am happy that the secular government attorney generals yeah. in various states uh, – it's up to almost 10 now. Or yeah, I think, it's 10. Over, I think it's up to 12 states yeah, now. It, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if all 50 do this, uh, are going to investigate all the Catholic dioceses within – their states, and this is going to be. I, I believe we are just beginning. The summer of scandal is. Yeah, this is just the tip of the this, iceberg. Yeah, and I and I I am so upset because Cardinal McCarrick, former Cardinal McCarrick, lives in a residence in the Washington D.C. area uh, that's still paid for by the church. Uh, I think he was moved. Oh, I hope so. But someone yeah. just knocked I on the, his door. The reporter. That, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's been moved since then. Okay, but yeah. here's the deal. Here's the deal. That's scary. He, the church can't force him to tell us this stuff. But the civil law can, right. and that's the sad thing. We're gonna rely in First Corinthians chapter six, verses one through like seven. It talks about St. Paul is so frustrated with church people because they are going to pagan authorities to do lawsuits against each other, and now it's like, this is what we need to do. Yeah. People are hiding, and they're still hiding. So for me, uh, write to your I'm gonna say congressman. Uh, write to your attorney general. Write to the cardinal, talk to your pastor, and ask them, is this the way forward? You know, And, and, and if you feel like it is, then advocate for that.
1: Yeah, and I, I hope that maybe on a future episode we can get someone, um, maybe an attorney or somebody who kind of has some background in this yeah, um, and what this could look like from the church. Maybe there's someone in our parish that could come on with us and talk about it. Yeah, that'd be great. Brian, closing thoughts? You have
2: one minute. Oh, my Atlanta. <laughs> Take that out, I said please. that because Stephen's from Atlanta. Um, <laughs> Put that back in. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, I think maybe even at a more practical level is, you know, just helping to the degree that we can. I think of like us being in the church at the local level is helping um, priests and clergy to have community. Um, Because I think when there's a lack of community, Mm -hmm. there's a lack of a potential for fraternal correction. That's a great point. Um, And so I think that – because. You know, we have... A kind of a more natural fraternal correction with our spouses and even our kids, and so it's not as natural without the community of their brothers. Um, so invite invite
1: your priests over for dinner, take yep. them out to lunch, and don't tell them to be on.
2: They're off.
0: Yeah, they're off. They're they're human priests. Yep. They're not your pastor there to do things. Right. You can have them bless your home and all that stuff. Take That's them to cool. a football game. Yeah. Be let them be human. Mm-hmm. Right. They can never unbe a priest. Right. Right. But let them be human. Don't make them be on. Let them take the collar off and and just be a human being with friends yeah that's great advice
1: community Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
0: speaking of community coming out from ascension press is michael gormley's community group curriculum cut that out buy my book (laughs) (laughs) buy my (laughs) (laughs) book (laughs) (laughs) all right so we need to wrap this up (laughs) all right so thank you all so much for listening as you can tell these are constant discussions going on that we have literally every day in the parish. We are striving to deal with this stuff every bit as much as y'all are. So please don't hesitate to keep communicating with us. And hopefully, this podcast can be a venue. To uh, to keep expressing this stuff. So, um, from all of us here at St. Anthony Padua, we want to thank you. Yeah, for and, and if you traditions.
1: have a, a specific topic you want us to cover on the podcast, don't be afraid to uh, reach out to us. You can find our emails on ap church on the internet and on the interwebs. On the interwebs, email and ap uh, communications at ap church. Yep, you can email your questions there, and we'll try to address them on the podcast. So, thank you guys so much for listening in.